being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a four-barrel carburetor? It is a trick question. Watch this. Because Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four-barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing would be four degrees before top dead center. Get ready for another hour of Drive Radio, brought to you by Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive Radio on KLZ 560 The Source. And it's Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us. Myself, Charlie Grimes, your engineer, Larry Unger, answering phones, as he always does. We do have a couple of lines open, by the way, 303-477-5600. Steve Horvath, Gino's Auto Service, with us today as well. And Kent and Judy from Novus Auto Glass in Sterling. So thank you guys for joining us as well. Appreciate thank you for you having us. Thank you. Thank you. There's a, there's a method to our madness today, because after this, we're going to go over and put a windshield in my old car. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> my, my old Buick, so... Oh, method to the madness today. We'll, uh, so teach John how to do it. There you go. Then this th- this is back in the old days where there's like so a little you, chrome ring around it and you know all you the gotta, good stuff. Got to get the rope, the old rope uh, technique. No, glue, this one still glues in. Still I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Originally it, with butyl, but we'll put but it's old. back in it. Oh, I think it's actually still got the original windshield in it from 1968. Wow, it should come really? out easier. Way. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I don't think it's ever been replaced. Really? So, anyways, um, go back to John here. He had a question on. 80, or sorry, it's a 2006 Honda Odyssey. And, John, for everybody that may have just joined us here top of the hour, you've got, uh, this is a friend of yours that actually has an electric draw or a drain on it, correct? Correct. And you and think it's coming it out of the, the side door? Well, we isolated it to the circuit that powers the power door locks and the sliding doors. Okay. And when you say you isolated it, explain how you did that. Um, we... we started pulling fuses <laughs> and when we pulled that fuse out of the fuse box the drain stopped okay and for everybody listening so that we're all on the same page the way you're checking the draw is how uh, I have a voltmeter and we're we are just we put it in line to measure the the current draw on the battery okay and the way you, for everybody listening the way you do that is you remove either the positive or a negative cable doesn't make any difference which one, and you put the device between the cable that is off of the battery and the battery terminal. Yeah, we did it on the negative side, and okay. we thought that was the right side to do. We it didn't think it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter either way. So as long as you're doing it that way, which I just want to go over this, so everybody listening could hear. And then what you do is you then go through each circuit as John did to determine which one, when you when you basically disconnect that circuit. Okay, great. Now, you know now which what causes the draw to go away. So the next step, John, for you would be to put that fuse back in, keep everything up, you know, keep everything on the vehicle exactly the way it is right now so you can see the draw, put the fuse back in, and then that's going to have, since it's a door lock, it's going to have a door lock relay and probably a relay to the sliding door as well. I would pull one of those first and see if the draw changes. Oh, okay, I didn't see that but i'll look again so there should be a separate relay for each circuit there's gonna for sure be a door lock relay and i would i would bet my life there's a relay for that sliding door as well because it's too heavy of a circuit to not have one 
Those okay. motors draw too much to just run through the fuse box by itself. So the fuse box is powering up a relay circuit that then's run, is then running that side door. There's no way you can run enough voltage, you know, or enough amps through the fuse box itself to make those doors. You know, it's just like a power window, same thing. You've got to have a relay. They can't run on, on their own. Okay, and that would typically be in the main fuse box as well? No, that one's probably under the hood or underneath the bonnet on that on that Odyssey. Okay. And All that's right, where having that. a schematic really helps because you can actually read the schematic and find out where is the relay located. It will be somewhere where the rest of the electric relays are. You they'll Very, very rarely, and in fact, I don't know that I've ever seen them stick a relay like in this case. There won't be a relay under a door panel back by the door. It's all going to be up in the engine compartment or inside the car itself someplace. Okay. So then I should be able to isolate it to either the door lock circuit or the door circuit correct the sliding door circuit correct okay and since that's all on one circuit you know this is where it gets a little bit more challenging because you can't just say well hey we got a problem with the door locks or something along those lines no you know that you've got an issue with one of those two now which one is it okay uh, my gut feeling is it's probably the door lock relay I was going with a sliding door motor. But really? <laughs> that's no, okay. Because, and that's the, reason, the reason I say that is because that one, that one, you know, even though it gets used a lot, it, it's again, it's a relay that's just running the sliding door itself back and forth. The locks, though, I mean, they get used, you know, constantly. Awesome. And and Hondas aren't the greatest at the, the that electric motor that works those, and it could be stuck half on trying to turn. That's it what we're trying to could find be out. yes. And the only other thing is uh, the voltmeter is okay. I use I, a test light. Uh, but you can tell the brightness of the test. Yeah, light. I like the test lights better. The, the only thing is, you want an amp meter to kind of know how many. How amps. much? Because under a certain amount, I mean, you're going to have some. You got some milliamps no matter what. You could have 12 volt draw, right. but very low amperage. The reason why I like the test lights, John, is typically, if it doesn't light a test light, it's not, not enough much. issue to cause the battery to drain after. You know, it won't drain it over several days. It might take several weeks, and it would drain down a lot of newer cars. That's why we use battery tenders on these late model cars to keep things up, anyways. But the thing about a test light going in between is, if it won't light a test light, it's not enough draw to draw the battery down. So how do you put the test light in? It's just like your right? meter, exact same way. Oh, I'll put it in series. Yeah, okay. same same exact way. And if the test light lights up, you know there's enough draw to draw the battery down. And to Steve's point, you can kind of tell the the dimming of that, you know, the, the brightness, I should say, of the bulb as to how much draws there. Okay. So then do I just have to try to, like you said, if I can get a hold of the schematic somehow, uh, just try to find out where there's connectors and maybe just disconnect you're, you're buying, and, and by the way, the, you're most likely, you're, if the owner's manual is still in the car, it will typically tell you where those relays are. Yeah. Okay. It is. It is actually. I'll, uh, I'll look at it. You, you, you usually should, you you can typically find it there, or you'll you'll find a relay panel. All these later model cars, and that one still is in this area considered late model. You'll have a actual panel someplace that has fuel fuel pump relay, you know, door window motor relay. Sometimes headlight. That one probably has headlight relays. Even you'll find a, a box that has I don't know anywhere from six to ten relays in it or more. Now, can you get a subscription to all data for you, 24 hours? You can. You can hours? do Mitchell or all data. You can do a daily subscription, or it's not that expensive on a per vehicle basis to even get an annual subscription, John, to where you can get all your wiring diagrams that way also. 
And I would use oh, Mitchell right. over all that personally. I like their wiring diagrams. The wiring diagrams and Mitchell is much better. It's the only thing I use Mitchell for. Yeah. But <laughs> but okay. all data is getting better at it. You can also, as a, as a homeowner, believe it or not, you can, or a vehicle owner, you can actually even still get a subscription to the actual Honda factory repair manual as well. I don't know what that costs, but you'll usually it's you, a three-day subscription. And that's that NASDAQ thing. Yes. The only thing is they don't, um, they're not written... They're not you, easy to read. Yeah, is what I, it's like stereo instructions. That's you know, right. Not where easy to read. Mitchell and and all that has made it a little bit better. More for user us friendly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So so if we isolate it to one circuit or the other, um, so I heard on the doors it could be a motor. Mm-hmm. Could be. And what door would locks, be on the door lock? Could be a motor on the door locks as well. You've well, got, that's what I meant by the do- motor on the door lock. Yeah, you've got what uh, four? five on that vehicle? Uh, yeah, you got a rear. You got rear too. That's right. So one, two, three, four, five. So Unless if I pull a, door, yeah, door panels, I should be able to see those? Yes, the motors will be inside the doors on those. All, all the doors, it's inside. Okay. All right, so if I have to, I can just maybe stop. Yeah, and then that's, yeah, that's where it gets a little more circuit. difficult because now you have five. You'll have to literally at that point, if it ends up being in that circuit, you'll have to go check each one. There's And hopefully it's – I always start on the driver's side because it's the one that gets used the most typically. So start on the driver's side and then roll around. Okay, anything about – I mean, could the relays cause a problem like yes. this? Yeah, the relay itself can be an issue, and that's always a good thing to do is if you know you've got – the relays typically are the same, so if you've got a known good relay, just swap it back and forth from another circuit and see what it does. Like the horn relay may be exactly. the same. Exactly. They're, they're, they're yeah. the same. There's not going to be any issues doing that. Okay. All right, so I just need a little – So if you swap relays and the draw goes away, well, now you know it's in the relay. Right, and then just replace it. And that. a relay okay. can get stuck on and cause a draw as well. Especially the old okay. ones, they had contacts. So like yes. points. Yeah, they're they they like points. Yet. Yeah, think of it that way. They're, the old relays are, are they're not a module. They're literally a contact point type relay, just like the points in a car used to be, John. And they'll stick. Right. They'll, they'll, get, they'll get hung up and stick together. Right, so it's got a coil that energizes right. a mm-hmm. mechanical relay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. Okay. All right, well, I will start there then and okay. kind of work my way down the line. All right. Sounds great. Hey, thank you, Thanks, guys. John. Appreciate it. And everybody listening, we went through a little bit more of that just because some of you, this is actually, believe it or not, one of the most common questions that I usually get either texted or emailed on is, hey, I have a battery draw. No one knows how to fix it. My shop can't handle it. You know, what do I need to do to try to isolate this even for the shop? And this, unfortunately, and Steve knows this, so does Kent, unfortunately, We've got a lot of younger technicians that have, you know, either come out of school or done whatever, and they've gotten into the industry. And what I've learned over the years with technicians is they either understand electrical or they don't. There's no in-between on technicians. (laughs) It's just something they either fully understand or they look at it like a monkey reading a roadmap when they look at a wiring diagram. It's one or the other. And I'm not knocking technicians because this same person I'm talking about could, could probably fix everything else on the car known to man. But when it comes to doing some of what we just talked about, some technicians, just their mind, they just, for some reason, can't wrap their mind around how electrons flow up and down a wire. And, I, and I'm not being critical. It's just a fact, right, Steve? Yeah. No, it, it, I always it, – it's also your attitude, you know, approaching into it. Because uh, I always looked at, like, detective story. I mean, it's kind of you're, – you're researching, you're figuring it out. It, it's it's well, fascinating. One thing that's always helped me, and maybe this will help some folks that are listening – I've always looked at electrical just like a plumber does water because electrons flowing down a wire is no different than water flowing down a pipe. Where is the water flowing? Where does it stop? Where is it diverted? 
It's essentially what you're doing with electrons. It's the same as water in a pipe. You're just using electrons in a wire versus water in a pipe. It's the same theory as to what's going on. It's just done differently. And the battery is the water source. Okay. That's how I've always looked at electrical issues is it's mm -hmm. much like plumbing, which frankly, plumbing's not that difficult either. It's mapped out and it goes certain places and there's valves and things that control it. And it's much the same when it comes to electricity. Those valves, though, in this case, are relays and things along those lines that are controlling that flow. It's much the same way as it is with plumbing. Personally, that's how I've always and looked you, at it. And your return, your sewage pipe, basically goes, goes, back to, goes back to your battery. That's your negative right. or your positive, however you want to look at it. You know? Thank you. Depends on which way you say it. It's exactly. Flow. It's no different. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly it. So Kevin and Broomfield, hang tight. We'll come right back to you. Got to take a quick break. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. This month at Geno's Auto Service in Littleton, receive a new set of windshield wipers with any service over $50. It won't be long before the cold weather returns, so now is a good time to make sure your vehicles are serviced and in good condition. At Geno's, any maintenance or repair work on your vehicle comes with a Napa Peace of Mind warranty, covering parts and labor for 36 months or 36,000 miles. To make your life simpler, Geno's offers loaner vehicles, so you can drop your car off and pick up when ready. This month only, take advantage of free windshield wipers with any service over $50 when you mention this ad on KLZ. For over 38 years, Geno's has been serving customers all along the front range. Geno's is AAA approved and located at Bowles and Platte Canyon in Littleton. Be sure to check out Geno's excellent Google reviews. Stop in or visit them online at genosautoservice.com. That's Geno's with a J. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage. And something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. KLZ's personal injury attorney, Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law, has a unique background that makes him a more effective advocate for you. He handles both criminal and civil cases. Most attorneys only do one or the other, but Kevin has almost 25 years of experience on both sides, which means he has more practice in the courtroom. Most personal injury attorneys will say they have experience in court. But since only about 10% of personal injury cases actually go to trial, those attorneys only appear in court once or twice a year. Because Kevin also takes criminal cases, he appears in court constantly. Kevin has a rare ability to present an argument that only comes from years of experience learning how to read a courtroom. KLZ's personal injury attorney continues to practice both civil and criminal defense because he believes the courtroom keeps him nimble. Trial tested, trial ready. Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law. Schedule a free consultation now at 303-806-8886. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.
All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. One line open, 303-477-5600. Text line, 307-200-8222. Kevin in Broomfield, you're next. Oh, thank you. How you doing, John? Good, sir. Thanks for calling, Kev. Oh, thanks. Uh, my daughter has a 1998 Jeep Grand Cherokee, okay. and it seemed to be running just fine. Uh, she parked the, the vehicle and then went to restart it, and she's not getting anything across the, the ignition system. No instrument panel, no cranking, no start, no accessory. Hmm. And apparently she checked the 40-amp uh, ignition fuse, and that was uh, blown, so she put in a new one and still has nothing out of it. And I know the battery's charged, so kind of kind of wondering about that one, John. Go ahead, Steve. No, that's, you know, to blow that 40-amp fuse, something's really... Yeah, there's a heavy short somewhere. Something bad, bad, yeah, like a wire's yeah. touching. Right, like, like a you know, like a, a you know, a power wire going down the starter or something. You right. know, to blow that big of a fuse. That's what I thought too, and um, yet the vehicle seemed to run just fine up to that point. So I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what's going on with it at this point. And you said that to the v, the straight six or? Uh, yes, it is. So it's a four yep. liter. Yeah, yep. that's pretty easy to see those wires yep, it too. Is. There's not a that lot. one's really easy. You could probably take a peek down and look down that, that left side as you're looking at the engine to see. Yeah, where, passenger if, side. If, if, see if it's touching anywhere there. Uh-huh. That's the only way that that 40 amps blowing is there's a direct yeah. short, as yeah. you know. That's right, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It has yeah. to be direct yeah. short someplace. Something yeah. it's touching. I know the cabling wasn't the greatest. They get kind of yucky on those. No, in fact, one of the secrets on those, Kevin, is if the ends of the battery cable even get bad, you just put a whole cable on it all the way down to the starter. We got the point in the shops even back in those years where you never would fix the end. You just put a whole cable on it for that reason. Yeah. And I okay. suppose running over to the alternator and just checking that wire, that main wire that comes off of there. Make sure it's not to... touching anything. Yeah. Right. Sometimes that insulation on the back of the alternator can get bad or melted or you know something happens there too and then it'll touch and that could cause it also right a direct short like correct that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. somewhere it's a direct short or it wouldn't have blown it yeah uh-huh. and when it blows right. it right away <laughs> yeah there's there's something yeah it's, it's a hardcore short yeah yeah that's what i was thinking the plus too. side is those are usually pretty easy to find okay it's touching somewhere uh-huh. <laughs> yeah or you know or the other th- i guess the other option too is we were talking about starters you know did a starter possibly yeah, lock possibly. up internally but that, that's pretty that's rare. the solenoid on that no. that would cause that Well, and the way you know that one is, if you put the 40 amp in and turn the key on, if it stays like that and it doesn't blow, then it's most likely going to be in that starter circuit. If it blows the minute you put the fuse back in, Kevin, there's a direct short someplace in the system without the without the you know without the starter even being engaged. Is my point right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the weird part, John. That you know, as soon as you turn the key, you get nothing. You know, there's literally no response. Even with the fuse in. Uh, yes. Then there's a then that's probably what's going on. We've got a short somewhere even most most likely. I'm trying to do this by memory. I believe that the battery feeds that down to the starter and then back up into the rest of the system. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that because it's been uh-huh. years since I put a harness in one of those. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I couldn't figure that one out. I thought, huh. I don't think a bad ignition switch would. Uh, not usually. Kind of no, and it's not a bad ignition switch isn't going to make the the fuse blow. All right, correct. That's what I thought. Now, a short, if it was bad enough, could blow the ignition switch and then blow the fuse. I've seen something along those lines happen, but even that's rare. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. 
So not saying that once you get a fuse in it, there's not another issue with the, with the ignition True. switch. Yeah, you, you might have burned up something. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not things saying that because things toasted. can. That's right. Things can run down the run down the pipe. Right, and that's what I was thinking too. Anything in the that's in right. the ignition circuit at that point. So. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you may have to take that to the shop, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what <laughs> what I thought too. I'm like, mm, this one might be beyond me. It's like, no, no. Well, uh, very good. Thank you. All right. No. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it very much. David Parker's next with a break. Question lines open, by the way, 303-477-5600. Dave, you're next. Yeah, John, uh, I'm getting ready to put pads and uh, and rotors in my wife's Honda Accord. And I have a kind of a general question. When I walk into Napa to ask for the parts, there's too many choices. I, d- I don't know uh, what. <laughs> ADOs. ADOs. only one choice on that a- a- one. ADOs and then uh, what are the, the okay. high-end premium? The, the high-end rotors. Uh, yeah, the ultra-premium. I think for, the ultra-premium is what they what call, they call them. Yeah. I think that's right. And it, eight, and don't the, be surprised the, if they the, don't have them. It's tough right now. <laughs> so, uh, and, call first. Before yeah, you, you drive down there, call first. Yeah, and they may have to pick them up in the warehouse, or they may have to get them from another DC. Right, like, so before you drive yeah. down, unless it's an easy drive down day, but if you've got a ways to go, call first. Okay, and again, it's A A D O. So Adam Dave Owen. Adaptive One is the... Yep, uh, Adaptive One is the acronym. And it's uh, premium... Uh, they're their high-end ceramic pads. Ceramic, okay, okay. All right, that's, that was my question. Okay, Dave, appreciate it. And yeah, for all of you listening, and that's even with you guys on the windshield side, we should talk about that for a moment. There are part shortages, literally in almost every aspect of everything that we're looking at, folks. From whether you're fixing a microwave to putting a windshield in to putting tires on a car, uh, there are part shortages across the board. What's it like on the windshield side this week? <laughs> this I say week this I, week as it varies. It varies every week. This week I have a couple that I haven't been able to find, but I just keep trying, and in a couple of weeks I get them. So right yeah. now I'm sitting pretty good. But And what are they saying? You just went to a big conference, so what are they saying well, we about futures? We talked to three of the major suppliers in the U.S., and they all have the same story. There will be more shortages, and it won't be over for a while. And it's a variety of things causing it, from manufacturing to shipping to yep. setting on a boat in the sea or a container. There's a lot of problems going on it's not just one area it's, it's, and that's why this isn't fixable quickly folks it's it literally uh and i can get into the chip shortage on the auto side here and i'll try to do that today i was going to do it last week and we never got a chance to get to it but there's a lot of factors in all of this there's not just one single thing that if we went and fixed it i i was reading something the other day where somebody was saying well you know if we just had the what was this comment if we put if we employed the army to unload container ships the way that we get them to handle our defense and everything else, we'd be in great shape. That was on a liberal uh, leaning or liberal Facebook page. Well, the problem with that is while that sounds really good, that's not the only issue we have with getting goods to market, folks. I wish it were just that simple. Yeah. It's not that simple. There's a lot of things going in and coming into play with all of this. You know, the container ships that are sitting outside of port that are not even into port yet. It's getting into port, it's getting through customs, it's after customs getting them onto trucks, from the trucks out to the distribution centers, the distribution centers out to the actual store or the other distribution center that you now be actually you know, getting the product from. And all of that has issues. And yeah. we're not even talking the manufacturing side. That's just once everything's built and ends up there. We still have to get things built. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Uh, Napa said the other day in their district warehouse they were short 
I don't know, 25 or 50 employees. Wow. So they, they can't unload the trucks when they do show up. You know, <laughs> if or they show up. Yeah, and, and, and when they show yeah, up, and, it's, and you know what? it's I'm, everybody's doing it. I'm yeah. going to poke at a lot of companies, Napa included, because I know this firsthand. Yet, these are some of the very companies that the minute COVID hit laid a bunch of people off. Yes. Yes. Morons. Yes. Yeah. Napa. Same. Morons. Why did you do that? Why? And now they can't get them to come now back. Now you to can't work. get people to come back. Why'd you ever lay them off in the first place? I, I'm sure it was fear. Knuckleheads. I'm sure it was fear. One of our glass suppliers did the same thing. And I now don't get like, it. We can't get anybody, and it's like, well, well, you shouldn't yeah. have done that in the yeah. first place. Which, That's my not job. bragging, but I don't have a single client that I've coached. Kent and Judy know this because we talk on a weekly basis. I was the opposite going into COVID. No, we're not closing up. No, we're not slowing down. No, in fact, we're going to use this time to gear up and do things we really haven't had time to do prior to now. And we're going to grow through this time, not retract. Why these big Fortune 500 or Napa being a Fortune 100 company, why these guys couldn't figure that out with the high paying, you know, chair jockeys they have working there, why they couldn't figure that out is beyond me. I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Schmuck down here on the bottom, you know, bottom rung of the ladder. I don't get it. It had to cost him a lot of money to make those mistakes. It's costing him a ton right now on these mistakes because what's well, happening is, go ahead. Steve. No, no, I was gonna say it cost them. I know just in the month of September, it cost him six or seven thousand dollars just with my shop. Just one oh. shop. Because you know, there's there's now aver- I generally average between you know, fifteen thousand a month with Napa. This last purchases and in, in purchases. This, this last month was nine, so they. So, so, they and, and by the way, you're still buying parts. I'm still buying the you're same. It's not that your business is off. You're just finding them other places. And it was yeah, it was. Right. That, I mentioned that to Napa. I said we'll be back, but if you don't have the parts, you got to get it somewhere. I got to get it somewhere, yeah. right? Because I I, ha- I service one person. I service a customer, yeah. right? You know, I don't. I don't, I can buy from anybody. Key point. I I, I want to buy from Napa, and I that's who I I'm, right. in, I'm in bed with, and that's who I. But and I we have here to, as a program and all that, and I but, get that, but. but I have to. I have a customer. Correct. That's the person we need to take care of. Good point. All right, Jeff, hang tight, in Western Montana. I know you've got a question on fluid changes. That'll take a little time here, so we'll give you some time that way. We'll come right back. Drive Radio KLZ five sixty. Hello, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with Ken's and Leslie Distributing, your local BG Products distributor. Back again this week with your BG Tech Tip. Someone asked me earlier this week if they really needed a diesel fuel additive for their new truck. The super simple answer is a resounding yes. But how should you know which one is right for your car, truck, or even tractor? Well, spend .69 seconds on Google and you will find over 1.3 million different diesel fuel additives. That's a lot. So, how in the world are you supposed to know which one is best? At BG Products, we break down diesel fuel additives to 10 main categories. These categories include fuel system cleaning, which means that the additive contains detergents that are effective in the removal of fuel system deposits while restoring the fuel economy and overall engine performance and will further improve the function of electronic sensors, catalytic converter, and other expensive fuel system hardware. Next, there is a pump lubricity agent provided in order to protect against the abrasive damage due to marginal fuel lubricating quality commonly present in ultra-low sulfur diesel fuel. Then there are fuel stabilizers to reduce fuel destabilization or breakdown and prolong fuel filter life, especially problematic in modern biofuel. 
Additionally, there are corrosion inhibitors, which reduce corrosion of the fuel system components and storage tanks by performing a protective film over the metal surface. Next, you need to look for a flow improver or a pour depressant, which will optimize fuel cold temperature performance and eliminate the need for expensive blends of number one and number two diesel fuel. Also, look for a cetane improver, which will improve the ease of cold starting and the overall fuel ignition quality. Some additives will include a de-icer, which will prevent entrained water from freezing. More advanced additives will include a high-pressure detergent to aid in preventing black fuel filter plugging and fuel injector deposits in high-pressure common rail systems. Lastly, some contain an emission system cleanup to help dissolve and remove hydrocarbon deposits, especially soot found in the DPF. Knowing all of this is difficult, even more problematic is very few diesel fuel products contain all of these elements. It is important to understand the diesel fuel additive that you select for your vehicle and ensure that it is the right product for the job. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with BG Products. We'll talk to you again next week. I heard about Novus Glass on John Rush's Rush to Reason radio show, and I know that John would not go with a company that he did not believe was a great company to work with. And so with him backing Novus Auto Glass, we felt confident that that was a good company. When I called them, I was looking for mobile service out to Albert County, and they were very accommodating. My insurance company initially told me that they were not a preferred provider with our insurance company, and they went above and beyond with doing a three-way call with my insurance company and got everything squared away to replace three windshields for us without any money out of our pocket except for our deductible. I can't think of another windshield replacement company that we've ever worked with that has been like Novus. I would call them every time now when we need a windshield replaced. KLZradio.com forward slash glass. Your teenager is your biggest financial risk. You buy reliable auto insurance in part to protect yourself from financial loss in case you get in a wreck with large repair expenses for your own vehicle. But you also buy reliable auto insurance to protect yourself from lawsuits. Now, you might not think you make enough money to be at risk of getting sued, but you do have a teenager who drives your car. Let's pose a little scenario that we heard from a real KLZ listener. Your granddaughter is driving your car and gets in a major wreck. You do have auto insurance, but it's not enough coverage. You only have the state minimums. So the other person's insurance company comes after you personally for everything they can get. For years afterward, part of your paycheck goes towards paying someone else's bills. With the right coverage, this could have been avoided. Get the auto coverage you need from Paul Lewinberger of American National Insurance. Call 303-662-0789. 303-662-0789. Happy customers lead to a successful business. From the beginning, Absolute Electrical Heating and Air has had one defining goal, happy customers. Owner and founder of Absolute, Lewis, had been known to personally drive to a job site to solve a customer's electrical issue. As a master electrician himself, Lewis wanted to make sure every job was done right. 
But in order to become the number one home services provider in the Denver metro area, Lewis couldn't keep handling every job himself. He needed a team of technicians he could trust to serve customers with the same level of care that he would provide. Over time, Lewis and his leadership team developed a thorough vetting process unique to the industry to find technicians with both technical aptitude and the customer service skills that set Absolute apart. Now, Lewis knows he'll have happy customers because he trusts all of his technicians to stand by their promise. From call to care, we'll be there. 720-526-0231. For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical Heating and Air. This is Greg Bloom with Barber's Foods. Hey, one of the questions I get asked most often is, Greg, how do I get a restaurant-quality steak at home? Now, I do wish, sincerely, that each of you would buy your steaks from Barber's Foods at barbersfoods.com as we do sell some great quality Colorado-raised Angus steaks. But if you're going to shop at a retail store, to start with, never buy your steaks from the full-service meat counter because for a steak to be worth eating, it needs to be wet-aged or dry-aged for at least 14 to 21 days, just like they do at a restaurant. Now, steaks cut and displayed in a full-service meat case, they're not aged. And that's because retailers need shelf life. So they've been removed from their vacuum-sealed package and put out there for display. To know how to find a great restaurant-quality steak anywhere you go at any retail store, go to barbersfoods.com and click on the Videos tab to see a short video I made for you of what to look for when you buy steaks. Again, it's barbersfoods.com. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it very much. One line open, 303-477-5600. Jeff in Montana. Are, are your, what's your weather like, Jeff? How are things in Montana? It is beautiful beyond compare. We've is got it? a sunny day, going to be in the high 50s. Nice. Uh, skies are clear. Um, it wasn't so dang cold in the winter, I'd move up there. It isn't. You know, you think it is, but it isn't. It's roughly about... Actually, the Missoula Valley below us is about three degrees on average colder than Colorado Springs was. And oh. we're actually being right here on Flathead Lake. We have the lake effect, so it's really moderate. As a matter of fact, just maybe 20 miles from where I sit here, as a crow flies, they raise melons. Really? Raise melons. <laughs> no, I wouldn't melons. have guessed so, that. Really? That's a, that's a Rocky Ford thing, too, yeah. down here. It's hot and dry. <laughs> yep. So, so, yeah, a lot of folks think, think of Montana, and, and we kind of uh, foster that along. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. you yeah, want us all thinking of that, don't you? <laughs> Sometimes yeah, I wish we had done that in Colorado. If you yeah, know. we didn't do that here. <laughs> Too late. Yeah, yeah, it's a horrible place. Stay away. Yeah. Stay away. Um, there you go. But, no, it's, uh, we're blessed. Every day when we wake up and we see our view of the Mission Range, we're blessed. Nice, so, nice. Um, so I called about... Um, couple weeks ago and discussed a uh, 2004 Chevy SSR. Yes. And uh, long story short, um, it's a purple vehicle. My wife has always liked it. We both kind of were enamored of it just kind of as a concept thing, you know, when it first came out, but then we just it fell off the radar. And then recently she saw a purple one and wanted it. So, um, you know, happy wife, happy life. Right. So this is also this is also the woman just uh, that uh, bought a high output turbo option on a PT Cruiser convertible because that's the only way she could get leather seats. 
Oh. So. <laughs> All righty then. So, yeah, so. It's not a bad trade off, though. <laughs> no, it's not. Follow, but, um, but with that, so I, I was doing some checking on basic stuff. Like, I double checked the tires to make sure that the DOT codes uh, were current, and all four tires were made in 20 and 21. So, that, that, they're not an issue. You're, no, you're good. But. Yeah, but the question is on other rubber, you know, belts, hoses, and then particularly fluids. You know, the thing that, that, that got us about this vehicle is it only has 4,500 miles on it. So it hasn't even reached its own, its original, or first oil change right. mileage yet. Right. So, I mean, I'm not going to let, by any means, go by that. So, you know, oil gets changed. That's cheap insurance. But what about the other fluids? Uh, part of me says just go ahead and change them out. Yes, I would at this uh, at this stage. Yes, especially the brake fluid. Yep, things like that. And just and that's a nice starting point with everything at that point as well. Like we've talked on here many times, but yeah, I, I would go through and change everything. As far as you know, other rubber components, a lot of that really comes down to Jeff. How was it stored over all these years? It was garaged, I believe. Okay, if it's garaged, I mean, reality is not a lot of wear and tear on on what's there. Uh, you can usually, and I know it's hard with late model vehicles to feel hoses. It's not like the old days where you could squeeze a hose and know how close it is to getting bad. But you can typically look at things and get a pretty good idea of how things are working on the rubber components of the vehicle. And if it's been stored in a garage like that, I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. Anything else to, uh, other than uh, rubber and, and fluids, anything else to look out for? Not with that low of miles. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was. Uh... I mean, stored indoors, you know, in, in, in you know, if it's in a garage like that, typically it's more of a climate-controlled environment. And and I assume coming out of that area, or where did it come from? It's actually coming out of North Carolina. I think it was in Florida for a long time, then it made its way up to New Jersey for a, a little bit, three okay. years maybe. And Only issue that you've North got there Carolina. is more humidity. So. Again, all the more reason to get all the fluids in that change because the humidity can have some different effects than what we've got in our dry climate, you know, where you are there and, you know, us down here. You know, our dry climate is very, very forgiving on the storage of vehicles. You know, and I'd, I'd probably run around with a can of WD or something. Not going to hurt anything. Yeah, and, yeah. and hit bushings and different things. I think it's all good to keep it fresh and, you know, make sure you're not getting the squeaks and stuff. But what they're known The one for. plus side you have with that humidity is you typically don't have some of the dry out of some of the interior components and stuff that we get, you know, down in our area. So that is a plus. But as far as rubber and all that goes, that's it's the same no matter whether it's back there or here. Okay. Well, I, I do appreciate that. And uh, one of you were talking about the, uh, using water as an analogy for electricity. And uh, what, I, I've done the same thing. I didn't hear you mention this. Maybe I missed it. But... Um, it, other analogy is that voltage is the same as water pressure. Yes. And yep. so the higher the higher the voltage, the higher the water pressure. Yep, is and that's exactly. You're, you're, I didn't say that, but you're just finishing up what you're kind of in my mind mentally how I've always looked at electricity, and and I don't know, I don't nobody, I don't know if anybody ever really taught me that, or I just sort of put that correlation together way back when I was you know younger, starting in the industry, Jeff. But to me, that's just how electricity works. It's the same. Same yep. theory as water. And then amps is the diameter of the pipe. Right. The flow. Uh, yeah, and so, the flow of it. Yeah. So if you have low pressure, like 12 volts, you obviously need a bigger pipe to get more water through it. And if you have high pressure, you need a skinnier pipe. So Right. Um, 
So that I just yeah. I, yeah, I it's just me. I just, I've always done that correlation, and again, I don't think anybody ever taught me that, Jeff. It's just in my mind how I, I think is how I figured out why. I mean, you know, I, I most people don't know this, but I've never been to an automotive technician school in my entire life. Everything I've ever learned when it comes to the automotive world was from other old technicians that did it for years and years and years. And I was fortunate to be able to learn from a lot of old timers throughout the years. And, and then of course, you know, you learn on your own and you go to some classes and do some different things along those lines. But I, I've never right. been to an auto tech school in my entire life. And it shows that not necessarily they don't have value, but that there are many ways of getting to where you need to get to. That's right. You're right. Yeah. It's exactly so, well, and again, a lot of this, and this is what we got to try to teach young people today. Is it, it's not the schooling, and I'm not against schooling. Schooling gives you a really good, great foundation and some things to build off of. But you still have to go out and learn things on your own because there are things that you're going to find in real life that school can never teach you. Period. Well, I think. Uh, the I what? Think, oh, sorry. I just think with with technicians too, they're they're they learn differently, mm -hmm. and so I think in a traditional setting they don't do mm -hmm. as well. Where we have this there's a certain ability to visualize and i, I can't pin pin it down but no you're right a lot of technicians, brains work a lot of technicians have dyslexia a lot of them but their minds work not that they're they have a problem it's just they work differently they're learning so we, their we learning ability right. is different yes is a way and, to say that but they can visualize things that's right and how it goes together and it's an amazing that's right process that their minds just do it yep. differently yep so good stuff well, I appreciate it, guys. Jeff, and likewise. That, how's the weather there? Oh, beautiful day. Gorgeous. Yeah, can't can't complain at all. It's just absolutely gorgeous. This is one of these what they call Chamber of Commerce days in Colorado. It's very great. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So, okay. all right, Jeff, thanks, man. Appreciate you calling and being a faithful listener, even all the way up in Montana. I appreciate it very much. Don, I know you've been holding a while. We'll get you in before the break. Go ahead, sir. Hey, hey hi, John. Hi, Steve. Hi, Don. Nice to talk with you and likewise. Ken and Judy as well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I had a question, John. I had heard that Chevy was having trouble with their bolts, uh, the fires, the battery fires. And there's, yeah, there's a big recall. Well, there's a recall on virtually, I think, everyone that's been built, and they're not building any new ones right now because of the potential for some of these cells to have a short and cause a fire. I think it's a very, I mean, they're being very, very precautionary in this, of course, which they, which they have to be. I'm not one that's too concerned about, you know, mine burning up because I think it's an isolated situation. I think it's even isolated in how people have been charging them and what they've done in that end of things. And there's guidelines now even on how to charge, what to do, how to do it, you know, so on and so forth. They tell you not to park it inside, although I still am. Oh. <laughs> Does it need to off-gas a little bit too? Or Well, or? What, what's happening is they've, they've – we're, re, we're supposed to, as drivers, reduce, which mine always has. I've never been 100% – uh, never charged to 100% because I like that ability to have some of that, uh, it's, it's not compression braking, but some of that, that resistant braking that you get in the vehicle. If it's fully charged, you don't get any of that right off the bat. Well, I like having that immediately. So I've only ever charged like 85 or 90% anyways, Don. And I think where some of the issues came is there were people that were charging all the way to the 100%. Oh, okay. Yeah, my, I was just kind of wondering what, where, where we were on this and what the status was. I got a note from GM yesterday that said they're starting to ship parts to dealers as we speak, and they're doing their very best to get this problem resolved as quickly as possible, but I would venture to guess it's still uh, not weeks, but probably several months out before all of them get fixed, if not longer. 
Will they require all new battery packs, John? No, I think what they're doing is pulling the packs apart and fixing whatever cells they feel are damaged and or doing some software slash module updates to accommodate any issues. I don't know that every car is going to get new cells and or new. In fact, I, don't, I, I think very few will get an actual battery pack. I think they're doing more software and uh, some module changes and so on is, is my understanding. If somebody has a better understanding of that than I, please let me know. But to my knowledge, that's what's happening. Oh, okay. Well, I, that's interesting because I, I had heard the initial problem, but I hadn't really heard what the how Chevrolet was handling it. So that's interesting to know. Yeah, and again, I got, I got a notice yesterday from General Motors on, uh, you know, from Chevrolet on that end of things. And if I had it in front of me, I'd pull it up, but I filed it away, so I'd have to pull it back up. But, but anyways, that, that's what they're doing right now. Okay. Hey, if, if, if there are folks, you've been talking about, a lot about electricity today. When I was wiring my Jeep, I found a guy on the Internet um, that runs a supply house that he is just fantastic on, on automotive electricity and, and how to use relays. And his, his, the guy's name is Mark Hamilton. Okay. And, and his site is mad, M-A-D, madelectrical.com. He's out of California, and he's an old guy. He was a wire uh, hmm. automotive electrician for years and years okay. now. And he is just, boy, I'll tell you what, I, when I wired my Jeep, I, I, he was, it was just terrific. Uh, I have fusible links and relays and all kinds of things. Now. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And, and real quick, Don, I did find my email, and I was correct. It's a initial replacement of the battery modules, not the actual battery itself, but the modules themselves. Oh, okay. okay. Well, well, I hope they get these things solved because, you know, it's a, it's a neat way to go. I don't really think is. they, well, they will. They have no choice. Oh, so yeah. They'll, 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 get, they'll get it fixed. Yeah, they'll get it handled. Either. Yeah, you know, the, the automotive internal combustion engine's been around for over 100 years, and it's been refined and developed 100,000 times. Oh, yes, yes, and, and, and still going through refinements today. Yeah, yeah, so it, this will be the same way That's with, right. with electric. You're exactly right. Hey, always a pleasure. Likewise, Don. Don. Appreciate it. Thanks for the tip also on the uh, electrical side of the fence. Max up in Yuma. Hang tight. Gary and Erie will be right back. One line open, 303-477-5600. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Most oil changes are the same. Old oil out, new filter, new oil in. It's a routine, a chore on the to-do list. What if your oil change wasn't the same as the rest? What if it was life-changing? BG. A BG oil change can change your life because it comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system, which means a lifetime of peace of mind for you. Find a shop near you at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. BG. No one likes to be that person. You know the one, stuck on the side of the road, busted tire, making everyone slow down to get around them. With Legacy Automotive's new tire sales, you don't have to be that person, ever. Here in our Colorado climate, you might be closer to needing new tires than you think. A bad set of tires can be dangerous and even life-threatening. Tires should be regularly examined for cracks, bulges and blisters, and other signs of wear and tear on your vehicle. The skilled team at Legacy Automotive in Boulder will be able to examine your current set of tires, let you know what they recommend based on what they find, and help you get on the road. Legacy Automotive is a Napa Gold Certified Auto Care Shop and employs ASC Certified Technicians. So don't be that guy, and make an appointment at Legacy Automotive today at 303-396-0555, or visit them online at LegacyAutomotive.com. Legacy Automotive, locally grown auto repair. Hunting down that hard-to-find part for an out-of-the-ordinary car can be quite a time-consuming chore. 
Unless, of course, you just go around the corner to your local Napa Auto Parts store, where we have over 310,000 parts, all of them made to fit and perform just like the original. Yeah, there are people who say it's the journey and not the destination, but those people have never tried to find an alternator for an 82 Fiat on a Saturday. Go to NapaOnline.com for the location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. All right, we're back, and question of the day. We haven't had too many answers, so we've been talking about lots of other things, but what did you used to have to do to your car that your car now does for you? Uh, wife just texted in and said uh, automatic high beams. Oh, yes. Something else that's automatic on a lot of cars today. Now, that was around even back in the old days, but not as as effective and as nice as they are today. Yeah. The, the ones today really work. The nice. old ones were, eh, were a little sketchy at times, but the ones today work really, really well. Yeah. I mean, they know even if they know if there's taillights yeah. in front of you and know whether or not to turn the high beams on or off. So they've come a long way. So uh, Gary up in, uh, up in Erie, what's going on, sir? Yeah, John, uh, great show. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank uh, you. You had mentioned something on one of your shows about a website that was a good place to advertise classic cars. Bring a trailer. And I'm, just, I'm sorry? Bringatrailer.com. Bring a trailer. I'll be darned. That's pretty simple. Yeah, it's okay, very simple. Okay, and and it's, it's really picked up. A lot of traction. I mean, there's still Hemmings and a lot of those other organizations out there like that that still do advertisements and so on. But the Bring a Trailer is, is done off of an auction kind of a, a basis where you can put a, a base in and then it, you know, they go and auction the car off once it meets a reserve. Then, of course, the car sells. Yeah. And the reason why it's called Bring a Trailer is typically these are cars that you're not going to drive to the destination. You're going to bring a trailer, pick it up. Yep. All at home. So, I mean, these are typically, you know, classic cars or even supercars or, uh, I mean, everything yep. from, you know, old street rods to some of the some of the hottest cars right now that are bringing the most money I've seen lately are late model, Viper, ACRs are bringing a boatload of money. I mean, like 200K plus, huh. Gary, and those are on the wow. site as well. So, it's everything you can think of in that genre of car. Hmm. Right. All right. Well, that's all I needed to know. There you go, Eric. Appreciate it very much, Gary. So, yeah, bringatrailer.com. I should see if I can get a representative on at some point. And I don't know who started it or how or why or whatever, but it's it's a great site, and they've got a lot of different vehicles that are on it as well. So, uh, Max up in Yuma, what's going on? Good morning, John. Good morning. I uh, just, just wanted to tell you some things my car does for me that I don't miss at all anymore. Let's hear <clears throat> Well, do you remember Armstrong Windows? Oh, I sure do. <laughs> Still have one of those. <laughs> I have a couple of those, actually. The older I get, the less Armstrong uh, I you get. And me both. I don't miss that a bit. Um, also, 440 air conditioning. <laughs> 440 air conditioning, yeah. yeah. So, does everybody yeah. understand what that is? Oh, yeah, yes. four, uh -huh. four windows down, and you get it? Uh huh. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, four windows down, 40 miles an hour. That's, That's right. AC. And That's it. With my Avalon, I uh, punch up the temperature I want on the climate control. Nice? And well, you know what? Hey, speaking of Max, you just mentioned yeah. something else that your car does now. We used to have to set the temperature with the little slides, and you'd have to yes. get kind of halfway, and you'd guess to see about where you'd want to be. Yours, you say you want it 70 degrees, and it's 70 degrees. 
Yeah, I I found that slide business very irritating uh-huh. because I could never get it. They're exactly never right, exactly. Um, if you have time, John, I'd like to tell you a little story about how I met Kent and Judy. No, go. We have uh, three minutes. Go for it. Well, I was fooling around in the garage one day, and I looked out the door, and <clears throat> Kent and Judy were right across the street fixing a windshield on my neighbor's Avalon. And I had, or my neighbor's Tundra. Okay. I had a chip in the windshield on my Avalon, so I walked across the street and asked them if they could come across the street when they were finished and fix my Avalon. And uh, by golly, they did. And 30 minutes later, my car was fixed. And I was so happy with them. Nice. I remember that. (laughs) Yes. Save me a trip to Sterling, I'll tell you. There you go. Thank you. Which is a a trip. We were down there yesterday in Yuma, so. Nice. Yeah. The funny part about that was um, Kent did all the work, and I'm one of these guys that self-insures my glass, so I had to pay them cash when they were done. That cash went right straight in Judy's pocket. I remember <laughs> thinking, it's I funny how that works. Yeah, that's that's good. good. At least gets lunch out of this deal. That's good, Max. That's funny. Someday I'll learn. Uh, that's good. That's awesome. Uh, that's all I had, John. Thank <laughs> you very much. That's a good much. story. Max, thanks. I appreciate Thank that. That's great. Okay, so we got a couple of minutes. Speaking of, I get this question a lot, too, and people will text me and ask me this night. Know now how to answer it, but since you guys are here, you can. When it comes to those types of repairs, what can you fix and not fix when it comes to a you know crack in the glass or a pit? Normally, a crack six to ten inches, ten inches long, we can fix those. They will still show a little bit. That's, that's a long can, crack, by the way. Long fix crack. that so it won't go any further. Okay. A rock chip, if you can cover it with a quarter, I can fix it. Sometimes a little bigger than that. Okay. Just depends on how much damage there is to the surface or how much how many cracks are coming out of it okay we can fix quite a few okay so when when you go to fix that i mean is it how do i want to say this are are there other things that make it more technical because everybody sees the little kits that are in everything from the parts stores to big box stores and so on where it's a little plunger there's some epoxy in it you stick that on the glass you push the plunger down and it quote unquote fills it back in but it's really a lot more technical than it's that, a right? lot more technical i mean the weather plays a part of it the temperature the glass temperature um, and you got to make sure you get the resin in the entire rock chip or it will crack out this it's, it's not quite as easy as it do looks. you ever have to drill the windshield to put more resin in or how does that part work once in a while we get a rock chip that's real small we drill it and kind of open it up a little bit more so we can get the resin Just in there make a the chip quicker. a little bigger yeah make it bigger okay so it repairs quicker okay easier. what about a crack you drill those or is that strictly resin going all the way down uh, most of it's resin all the way down once in a while we'll drill the end of it to allow a little bit more resin at the end so it okay. holds it better and i'm assuming when that resin hardens i mean i know i've had mine fixed numerous times you don't really you you have to look really really close to see that and it most of them are hidden it just depends on how much damage there is to the glass the more damage there is the harder it is to hide okay so you will still see some of those but they are still fixable you just be able to see it okay and i assume the resin ends up being harder than the glass itself yeah it basically bonds it back together okay which people have to realize the windshield being a laminated windshield's bonded together anyways yeah there's a piece of plastic between there and when you get a rock chip you're basically breaking the outside layer of the glass not the inside layer because of what i just said yeah, because it's safety glass safety glass because it's got a piece of plastic base is, is it plastic or am i saying that right it's a, a 
polyvinyl plastic okay. between the two layers of glass. Because if you took a hammer and really pounded through the window and safety glass, you'd eventually find that that plastic, yeah. right? And you'd, you'd eventually it. break both layers of glass. But it's designed to hold the passenger in the car if you get in an accident. Okay. So you will not come out of it. Which there's side windows now that have safety glass as well. We'll talk yes. about some of that in this this last hour. So any other questions, by the way, for Kent and Judy, please give us a call. Novus Auto Glass, 303-477-5600. One more hour coming your way. It's been a lot of fun so far. Fast day. One hour left. Give us a call. Again, 303-477-5600. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com, email your questions and comments, download previous programs, and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.